Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. Thank you for joining me. This is Benjamin. My guest is an actuary. This is a person who compiles and analyzes statistics and uses them to determine risk. And this has been very useful in his house hacking endeavors. These same ideas can help you to reduce or eliminate altogether your housing costs if done correctly. He will share some creative housing hacking ideas for us today on our show. Do you need landlord experience? Well, he'll be answering that question. How do you find the right tenant? Well, stay tuned for that. My guest is an author, a generous teacher, and actuary. Let's meet him. Here he is, Jack Alwell. We are talking about reducing or eliminating altogether the housing cost, and it can be done if done correctly. And I'm happy to have Jack on the show to help us to see how we can do that. So, Jack, tell us about yourself, uh, you as as an author, and, of course, uh, your personal journey, Jack. Ben, thanks for having me on. It's really a privilege. Uh, So so my name's Jack Allweil. I grew up in a very small town, about 100 miles north of Detroit, right on Lake Huron. Mm -hmm. Very very much a Midwestern boy at heart, I I would say. Mm -hmm. I got the thought to move down south after visiting my brother in the winter a few times in Nashville. And I had some of those... uh, an aha moment, I guess, when we were playing soccer and I was like, wow, it's January and we're playing soccer outside. This, this is pretty nice. Maybe <laughs> I should, I should move down South. Mm-hmm. So 2015 comes around and I decide to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. I took another actuary job there. I moved to Charlotte and I knew zero people. It really forced me to get out and go to events to, to meet people, make personal connections. And I, I had trouble balancing all of those things when I first moved to Charlotte, meeting people, my job, and studying for actuarial exams. And unfortunately, I that lack of balance caused me to lose my job at the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that moment in my life really was a turning point. And after I was fired, I took what I call my roots trip. And I, I went to see where some of my grandparents grew up in Poland and Hungary. And then I visited Prague and Vienna. And oddly mm. enough, I, I met my now wife in Vienna during this trip. Mm, how about that? <laughs> so, so it was pretty fortuitous. Yeah. But, but on that trip, um, while I was visiting the Auschwitz concentration camp, mm-hmm. It, it really touched me and it left me with a lot of questions. And that's kind of what got me started with a real lot of reading. I, I was never a reader growing up, much more into math, hated, hated reading, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started out reading a lot of World War II books on that trip, and it kind of transformed into reading on soccer and real estate. And um, so, so that's kind of what th- that trip set me down the path for my real estate and my book writing in one way or another, mm-hmm. because after losing my job, I kind of promised myself I, I wasn't going to let this happen again. 
And one way to have a, a more robust life, more mm-hmm. bulletproof life would be to cut down on my living expenses. And my living expenses at the time were actually pretty low. Mm-hmm. When I first moved to Charlotte, my living expenses were about 1300 a month. I was living in one of those, I guess you would call it a luxury apartment with like a pool and gym. Mm-hmm. And I was studying so much, I really didn't get time to appreciate it and really use it. Um, so after a year of that, I joined a nonprofit called Moisha House. It's a Jewish organization. Mm-hmm. And Basically, you get subsidized housing to, and then in return, you throw events for the Jewish community. So we were throwing about four or five events each month. And and this was great for my uh, social life and just meeting people and networking, you know, as as a transplant to Charlotte, this was great for me. And it helped me cut down on my rent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of what started it. And then um, my brother started house hacking in Nashville. And so I kind of saw how he was doing it. and he was still, he had my parents co-sign while he was getting his PhD at Vanderbilt. So mm-hmm. I kind of had the idea from him and just decided as soon as I got another job, I was going to get a house and rent out the other rooms. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started. How do you like that? Well, that's yeah. interesting. I, um, I noticed uh, you indicated you, you were let go, you know, but you know what? Uh, I've been around a little while, uh, Jack, and I've seen uh, uh, friends and others, you know, that they're let go. And most of the time, most of the time, it's for the better. They, they, you know, they end up doing something much, much better, much rewarding. And I think that's the, the path you took uh, in uh, after you were let go there and, you were able to do well. I mean, look at now where, where you're at. You see, so you did mention um, house hacking. Can you define that? And you also mentioned the word actuary. Can you define those terms for us? Sure, sure. So I would say house hacking is using your primary residence to offset your typical housing expenses. Mm-hmm. So it could be a typical single family house or a small multi unit. Uh, but just a contrast, I mean, many people pay 30 plus percent of their take home pay towards their housing expense. But in a house hack, yes. one intends to dramatically decrease this or in an extremely favorable scenario, one could actually make money oh, off yeah. of living in a house. Mm-hmm. Um, the your second question, an actuary. So that's still my profession, my, my day job. And an actuary uses math and statistics to estimate the financial impact of uncertainty and I would say helps minimize risk. Mm-hmm. Um, they often use estimating tools to project cash flows into the future mm-hmm. and then also have methods for the discounting of cash flows back to the present. A lot of actuaries duties involve um, activities surrounding how to set reserves. So a lot of actuaries work for insurance companies and a, a reserve in its purest form is just present value of cash going out minus present value of cash coming in. So just think of, you know, you're setting a budget for future expenses. And currently as a valuation actuary, I'm on a team that makes sure we have enough money set aside to pay future annuity guarantees. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. Very good. Well, I can see your, 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 your um, education on, 
on putting a financial sheet came uh, uh, into or a balance sheet into play um, in what you're doing today. Hey, let me ask you this, uh, Jack. Uh, you know, you, you talked about buying some property. It could be a, a single family. In your um, in the numbers you've crunched, what's the what's the best deal? A duplex, triplex, or a fourplex? Would well, you- un- yeah, and, and unfortunately in Charlotte, there really aren't many oh, duplexes, right? triplexes. Okay. Now okay. I do I did get a three unit back in Michigan. Yeah, I mean the 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 thing I really appreciate now when you get more units and mm-hmm. it's all under one roof is you you basically just need one you know insurance policy you have you know one roof for all three units and that scaling it, it really helps out and mm-hmm. it's it cuts down and all the operational confusion and minutia and all, all the stuff you have to keep track of yes um and, and that, that's something i now appreciate a little more <laughs> there you go no oh yeah and of course uh, mortgage uh, from that standpoint uh, FHA, they'll, they'll finance at one to four units. So uh, I guess a fourplex uh, uh, can be very helpful and, and defraying. But where you're at, it's, it's limited, I, I understand. But uh, and speaking of where you're at, uh, every location, are you able to find eligible properties uh, for house hacking? Is, is that a fair thing to say or, or not? Um, sh- short answer, I would say no. I mean, you, you couldn't... Um... Yeah. You, you couldn't, I guess, rent out some garage that, exactly. I, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and if, if you, if you did find a five unit or more, you need to go with a commercial loan. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, you just have to do your research I, right. get into a five unit and, and more. It's, it is commercial in the financing, of course. It's a little different, a little different. <clears throat> And um, so we're talking about being a being a landlord. Uh, do, would I need landlord experience and let's say uh, lease agreement knowledge, Jack? Mm-hmm. So I can say say where I started, and yeah. I, I was pretty oblivious to a lot of this stuff. Um, I had no landlording experience. Mm-hmm. I had slight exposure just by asking some people. And my, my parents have a couple rentals back up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was able to ask them, them on some things. And when I was first getting started, I was just reading a lot and listening to podcasts like yours and just going on online forums to ask people. And, and I also had no lease agreement knowledge, um, but, but there are some generic forms by state you can get online. Um, Obviously, it's not legal advice, and you probably sure. should check it with uh, sure. a real estate attorney. But um, you, you don't you don't need any experience, and I think it's obviously scary when you don't have experience. But you, right. you have to start somewhere. So exactly. Well, I, I found it to be the case where you know you jump, you have an idea, you have a concept, you can you can perceive it, you know, and jump in, and, and once you're in, well, then you start uh, going through the weeds, you know, and making sorting things out, you know, and I've, I've had to hire attorneys, you know, for things that I'm not familiar with. And it always uh, seems to pan out uh, uh, for me. Um, and of course, uh, there's property management as well, I guess, right? Property Absolutely. Management. Yeah. I'm sure they got property managers there and uh, you're in North Carolina. So I'm sure I, there's. I am. I, I, I still, well, um, 
what when I was house hacking, mm -hmm. I, I just managed it all myself. But my properties up in Michigan, I do use property manager that charges me about 10% of the gross rents. Mm -hmm. Very good. And of course, being away like that, I think that's a prudent thing to do. Yeah. It really is. Um, so we're talking about um, leasing out uh, a room or two. If you have a duplex, triplex or fourplex, any advice, any advisement to how to find the right tenant? I mean, so, you know, I'm sure you've heard, heard some horror stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I had, I just had a former tenant um, <laughs> take me to mediation over uh, a, she was arguing how I split the utility bill. So absolutely, there are some bad <laughs> tenants yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I think my, the first step whenever I was looking was I would, just let my friends know in Charlotte that I'm looking. Mm -hmm. the, the more people you let know, then if you know they might be in a conversation with someone else over coffee or whatever, and they mm -hmm. might mention, you know, I have a friend moving to Charlotte, and there are a lot of transplants in Charlotte, so a lot mm -hmm. of people moving in and out, uh, more in than out, and so so that helps to just put it out there, you know, put it out in the universe, and that that'll help. Um, I, I do po I post it as much as possible on like Facebook Marketplace. And initially I was um, signing up for Roomster. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, I would describe it as a dating app for finding roommates. Mm, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's like a, you know, a swipe left, swipe right. Yeah. And you can send messages uh, to try to find a good roommate. Um, I will say I did... Uh, initially, I was asking for pay stubs mm -hmm. or an offer letter, and then also doing background and credit checks through okay. a site I found called My Smart Move. There you go. I, I found that very helpful. I think it's about forty bucks for the full background and credit check, and you can also pass that on to the tenant if you want. Exactly. Um, so yeah, just I mean, do your due dil dil diligence. I, yeah. I would say, m make sure you at least have a phone call with them. Um, some people are moving from out of town, out of state, and some might not be able to come in person prior to signing a lease. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say definitely at least have a phone phone or Zoom call to uh, you know at least see them and talk with them. Yeah. And make sure they're real. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then you get a good feel, you know, uh, right. uh, who you're talking to. and. Uh, able to see them and, and listen to them is right. uh, would you say that house hacking is for everyone or or, or not uh, I, what would you say to that i mean i guess you know uh, a person over their lifetime you know there's different seasons of life and it's definitely more mm -hmm. um conducive with someone you know younger probably single and not uh all that encumbered by having company in the house. Um, I mean, obviously, if you could get like a duplex, triplex, or quad and have your own space that's more private, that would be ideal. Um, but I would, I guess it, it probably is not for everyone. And now that I'm married, we do not have roommates. We, uh, uh, I guess, asked them to leave about a few months ago. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, it, it's definitely not for everyone. I, I can see a lot of girlfriends or wives or significant others starting to complain about roommates all the time. Oh yeah. I can so, <laughs> but, 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 but for me, yeah. it, it was pretty ideal. Mm-hmm. I, I was studying a real lot, like I said, so I, I sure. wasn't really home a lot and I, I really just needed a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was ideal. And I was in a long distance relationship. So it it, it worked out well for me, um, mm-hmm. yeah. but pr- prob- probably not for everyone. Exactly. You know, yeah, roommates, uh, there, there's a very thin line between having a roommate and a tenant, wouldn't you say? You're sharing the same home. Um, how would you, what would you say to that? How would you define that or any, uh-huh. any guards or anything that we can put up to make sure that this is a, a, a business arrangement. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did have them sign leases. Okay. I, okay. I well, One thing initially I did just to make it feel more like units in the house was I put on locks on all the rooms. There you go. Just to give a little more privacy and yeah. feeling of, yeah. So th- th- that was another thing. Um and I, you know, I made sure to send out utility splits on about the twentieth of every month, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of my tenants that I, I have become friendly with, but sure, sure. Um, yeah, it, it, you're right, it is a fine line. <laughs> it is, it really is, yeah. Well, that's great, uh, Jack. Um, so let me ask you, uh, would you share some creative? house hacking ideas with us because uh, i know in light of the market today jack you know the first time home buyers you know they they find themselves well i'm not sure if i can afford this you know or, yeah can you would you be so kind and give us some uh, creative ideas sure i mean well, one thing with charlotte when, when i first started looking the, the rent yeah. ratios for a house hack seemed pretty good mm-hmm. um now Recently, the last couple of years, there's been more cranes in the air, as I as I would say, more, more competition coming <laughs> yes. in. So the rents haven't yeah. really gone up, but prices mm-hmm. on houses have gone up a lot. Yes. So the, the rent ratios aren't quite as attractive here as they were in 2017 when I purchased this. Mm. Um, that being said, there's still a lot of areas around the country where the rent ratios probably are a little more attractive. And I'm sure if one looked hard enough, they probably could still find some good rent ratios in Charlotte if, if you found a right deal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of what's attractive in a house, when I started looking, I, was really, I really had the renter in mind. Like, what would I want to live in? And for me, I, I do really like pools and I, I moved down here because I like the warmth or I wanted to be in a little warmer mm-hmm. space. So I, I did look at places with pools and th- this house does have a pool in it. Mm. Um, and it, it was very um, segregated in the sense that it's a four, it's basically a four split, sp- mm. uh, split level. Okay. So it feels like everyone has their own space, even mm-hmm. though we're all in the same house. So the, the common areas are, are very nice and yet everyone has their privacy if they want. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, the locks on the doors helped with that too, a little bit, okay. even though I, I don't, I don't think it really 
um, was utilized that much. But in terms of people feeling like they had their own space, I think it did help actually. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of looking at the comparable home prices and then doing research also on the, the rents. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I guess I would say don't don't just sacrifice your life just to exactly. to, to make the money, but you, you can find a mix or a blend that's where you're knocking out a lot of the things you want out of life. There you go. Very good. Yeah. So it, it takes a little bit of research and what yeah. your what your comfort level is. Uh, many homes come with basements or you know just uh, just different ways. A studio or garage conversion. Uh, um, would there be any concerns as to how many people can occupy that dwelling? Uh, how would you, uh, what would you say to that? Um, well, I mean, it's, I think it's more just being respectful of everyone. Okay. And, um, so like a couple of my former roommates did have children that they, they, they did not live in the house, but they were that these a couple of these people were divorced and had children from uh, former relationships. And Mm -hmm. maybe once every other month, they would come over and stay for, you know, a weekend or a week. Um, And I would say, just, just be respectful and upfront and ask those things on the front end to make sure everything's okay. Uh, But what, like once my wife and I were married and she moved in That, that, that was kind of when I, I actually didn't feel comfortable that I was kind of, we, we increased the number of people in the house mm-hmm. and they, they were still paying the same. So that, that's kind of when I gave the month notice that uh, we mm-hmm. were going to take over the house for ourselves. There you go. <clears throat> Very good. And I would imagine too, uh, uh, municipality comes into play too, you know, order. Absolutely. You know, so you got to do your research there. Yep. You don't want to have any neighbors complaining about, uh, you know, the 20 cars parked up front, you know. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be good to your neighbors. Make, yeah. make sure you treat your neighbors well. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, in this segment, we are talking to a professional actuary. This is someone who just loves math in terms of measuring risk by means of a balance sheet. And he is willing to help you to do the same in purchasing property using the concept house hacking. Not only that, he is also an all-around very nice fellow. Here he is, Jack Alwell. As far as mortgages, obtaining a mortgage, uh, have you found that to be a little tricky since, uh, um, you know, you have these, these thoughts about... House hacking and sharing the home. Any, 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 any uh, thing you can tell us on mortgages and maybe mm-hmm. raising the down payment and so forth. Sure, sure. I, I'd say a, a very good first step whenever mm-hmm. you're starting to look for a home is just to talk mm-hmm. to a few banks, see what they'll approve you for. Not, not to say you should go immediately looking for the most expensive house they'll approve you for, because right. you, you probably it's probably not the the wisest decision, but. Um, right. Um, absolutely. You need to, you need to have a sense of what, what's, what your budget's looking like and Mm -hmm. go through amortization schedules to see, you know, how much interest you'd be paying versus principal and what types of rates you can get. Um, I mean, and to see 
how much you actually need for a down payment. And then working backwards, you can say, okay, well, do I, do I have the money already saved? Well, if so, then that's good. But if, if you don't have that money saved for a down payment, you need to start budgeting for it. Or um, another thing you, you can just, maybe you do have accounts that like a 401k, for instance, that you could potentially take a loan from and, and that could be used as a down payment for sure. a primary. Sure. So that, that's, and I, I actually used a 401k loan for my first uh, house hack. So mm-hmm. that, that's been, that, that was definitely helpful. And the, the only risk with that is though, I think if you're fired or let go, you have to pay it back within six months or you'll pay the 10% penalty, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. And of course there's, there's different programs, lending programs. Uh, I'm thinking of the home ready. Um, it's um, where, um, when it comes to debt to income ratios, you know, if your ratio is a little high, it's compensated by uh, someone you you will be helping you out with expenses. Uh, they wouldn't be on a title, but uh, as a border, uh, much like what you're saying, that the concept of house hacking. So that's one I'm thinking about a VA. I guess a VA would be that's 100% financing. There you go. Um, USDA. Uh, I'm saying this because I'm. I'm a, I'm a certified mortgage uh, underwriter. <laughs> ah, so uh, so yeah, USDA. Of course, it has to be proper down the rural, and of course, you can get away with much more if you're outside the city, out in the rural area. You know, shoot, you can even put in a trailer in the back or a couple of trailers. You have some property to help you uh, defray uh, the, the mortgage expense. You know, so all, all kinds of ideas. You know, so it's just a matter of doing your research. So let's say you get into a, a transaction. <clears throat> any any uh, suggestions to uh, uh, multi-strategies uh, and getting out to, if you have to? Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, well, in terms of, I guess the, the, the best part is try, try to get a good deal on the front end. Right. Because a lot of people kind of have this idea like higher percentage down is equals better deal. But, you know, if you find maybe the market value is really a hundred thousand, but you get it for 80,000. That's basically like you putting 20 grand down on that hundred thousand dollar house because you've yeah. already captured. So to try to get a good deal on the front end and hopefully you'll have more options on the back end. I, I will say, um, uh, especially early on in house hacking, a, a lot of people aren't going to be putting 20% down on right. a primary, mm-hmm. but if your house were to appreciate, a good way to uh, an option. Well, you you could sell. Um, you could re- refinance if if you had then more than twenty percent equity. You could refi and hopefully get that private private mortgage insurance off. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that was actually a very big expense early on. I think mm-hmm. I was paying like two fifty or three hundred a month, and it was on a thirty year mortgage and about a year and a half in. I was able to refinance to a 15 year and I had basically the same payment. Mm. So, and w- because the, the private mortgage insurance was taken off. So that, that, that was a big thing. Yeah. So I would say just kind of be aware with where, you know, your market value or home kind of is just, I mean, I, I, I've been using like just the Zillow's estimate. I don't, I don't know how accurate it is. It, it seems to be fairly accurate. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, exactly. if, yeah, I mean, you can, you can roll a sale into your next home, but you, you could also refinance to pull cash out to put towards your next deal. Very good. Yeah. The options hey, are good. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Zillow, of course, uh, hey, just to throw this out for my audience uh, to know as well, another, uh, way to find out uh, values is just go to your title company. Most title companies, they have a customer service department there and ask them, uh, let me give you this address and give me give me a, a list of properties that are sold in the area. And, and, and oh, readily, they will do that for you if you're going to use them as the escrow for the ultimate purchase of your home, right? So, see, that's that's what that's what you want to tell them when looking to buy. Can you give me some uh, a list of what properties are selling in the area, the values? That gives you a pretty good deal, and, and I think, I think uh, better than most because it's solid, solid sells mm-hmm. for the area you're looking for. You say so. That's one one good idea. That's I, great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I've done along the way. Just to throw this into the mix too, just another alternative in getting into a home. I've I bought many a home uh, investments as a, a purchase uh, with an option to uh, at least with an option to buy. And uh, so what I do if the property's lacking the maintenance, needs some renovations, I go in and renovate. And uh, I ask the seller, of course, this is all on on, on paper on contract. Uh, the attorney asked me, you know, I always had an attorney to do this for me. I uh, just they asked me, Ben, do you, do you want the contract to be slanted only to your or, or favorable to your side? So no, no, no. I want to be fair, and and see, and the seller, the potential seller of that property, sees that, and, and of course, it's it's honesty. You want to be honest, and mm-hmm. and and they see that, and and they'll work with you because um, you don't want to take advantage of anyone. So uh, I, I bought many a property with a with a lease. Uh, like that with an option to buy and eventually uh, finance, uh, refinance or sell it, you know, and uh, it, uh, it's always worked out very well for me along the way. And, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, the not, not the house hack, but some yeah. properties I bought in Michigan that I found from a couple going through a divorce, I actually got them to seller finance mm. those so that, 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 that yeah, that, that is an option. Exactly, and 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 that's a good. Uh, never forget that. I mean, you, many of us, uh, the buyers out there, think they always need to get a mortgage. No, I ask you if the seller would carry, and a lot of them will. Uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, they don't want to pay taxes, or if it's an investment property they're selling, uh, they just want to carry it over uh, so several years. You know, short term. You know. Uh, couple of years three years then you go ahead and refinance it oh there's so many ways to structure things you know uh, uh yeah sorry, you can uh, you can even offer them a slightly higher interest rate just so you don't have to go exactly. through the hassle of going through a bank yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean there's all kinds of things uh, so many things i'm thinking about i'm starting to get a migraine here so you know <laughs> so uh jack let me ask you how do you how do you begin to find a, a good deal these days um, well, the first thing is you, you have to keep looking at properties. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people just see things going up in price and assume like there's no deals left. Mm-hmm. And um, Robert Kiyosaki actually had a good quote or a good part in his one of his books. And it, yeah. he said, you should analyze, don't criticize. Mm-hmm. So d- disregard what you're hearing in the news. Just 
just look at you need to look at deals and be proactive and I mean, maybe maybe the rent ratios aren't good in your area. Maybe you need to go look in a different area. Mm-hmm. Um, my my wife and I actually went on a trip about a month ago to Myrtle Beach, and we're looking at some some of these condo tells, yeah. and we were surprised at how good those numbers looked. And we, we actually put in an offer. And we're going to be closing in a week. There you go. So we're, we're, there are still deals out there. You might just have to look a little harder. Um, what, one one thing I found very helpful and how I found that couple going through the divorce is I would just call different areas and call property managers in those areas and ask them questions mm-hmm. and also kind of just put it out there that if any of their clients were looking to offload for whatever reason, um, that, you know, keep, please keep me in mind because yeah. I'd be interested there at least. Go. having a discussion. Absolutely. So you're kind of tapping into those property managers funnels, I guess, deal flow. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I I can appreciate that. Uh, Sometimes it, 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 I say uh, many times, many times I should say, it's good to be a a contrarian, you know, and what you say, you know, don't listen too much what people are saying, just uh, do your own research and uh, go out there and hunt. You know, I found found some homes that are just vacant, just driving, no sign, no nothing, but they're vacant. You look into them. Yeah. They want to sell it, you know, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, there's just so many other ways uh, that you can go about uh, and looking for property. And, um, yeah, you you are an author. Uh, tell us about your book, uh, uh, Jack, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So uh, another thing that came from that that root strip, like I said, was that I started yeah. reading a lot, and yeah. it was kind of a bunch of my worlds kind of colliding. My my love for soccer mm-hmm. um, and analytics and math and Microsoft Excel. I I had read a book. <clears throat> Uh, Money and Soccer, and then and that it, one of the authors was Professor Szymanski, who mm-hmm. is a professor at the Kinesiology School at the University of Michigan, and they, they they were doing a lot of analysis on the the money behind soccer, and what one of the studies they looked at was which countries use their resources the best, and basically they were doing a regression on goal differential. So they were looking for variables that were predictors for goal differential. So, you know, if Brazil was playing Croatia based off of the variables they were looking at, it would spit out some goal differential. And then which countries were overshooting that differential? And the the variables they were looking at were, and and when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. So population, so you would think uh, the countries with a greater population would probably produce better players and mm-hmm. uh, better talent. Um, another one was GDP per capita. And the thought behind that was um, countries that are maybe in wars don't really, that aren't really producing things and um, would struggle because I mean, what, why do they care about sports when they, they, they just need to survive. Sure. And Another one was international appearances. So how many international games did your country play against other other countries? And the thought behind that is it's basically ingrained in your culture that foot soccer is important. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so he was looking at those three variables to predict goal differential. And I kind of started thinking if I could take it one step further, mm-hmm. if you could get a predicted goal differential, how often, if we were to translate it into probabilities, how often did one team win versus tie versus lose when let's say they're actually predicted to win by a half a goal or, you know, mm-hmm. one goal. And so I started, I actually called Professor Szymanski at Michigan and he was actually, it seemed very excited to speak with me. I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. not a lot of calls on this. So he, he actually gave me a lot of his sources for his stats mm-hmm. and I started digging a little bit and I, I then came across just using the FIFA rankings. So I started using FIFA rankings and home field advantage basically to predict gold differential. Mm. And I, I did this in Excel at my first actuary job. I became quite fluent in visual basic, which is the programming language in Excel. Mm-hmm. And you can use it for a lot of like just doing repetitive tasks over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, so I kind of mapped a lot of those probabilities in, into spreadsheets and it would simulate all the games and I basically used those to compare what a lot of the sports books were offering. So for example, let's say we had projected Mexico to get out of their world cup group and the the groups are groups of four. Mm -hmm. If we projected them to get out 50% of the time, well, we would, if we bet a dollar, we would want to be compensated an additional dollar, Mm -hmm. but let's say the sports, the sports book might be paying a dollar and 15 cents. So we would have deemed that a good bet and we might've put some money on that. And that's kind of how the the structure of the book went. And um, we, we actually did have France winning. We, one of our uh, winning bets was France. We, we unfortunately lost a little bit of money overall. And when I went to do the post analysis, um, what, what I realized is I, I didn't really have a good structure on the allocation of the money mm. the, because it was kind of more just, we, we saw there was value in a bet, but we didn't say really like how much value was there. And we didn't scale it based off of how much value we thought mm. it was more just like a binary action. Oh, and that analysis I ended up putting into the book, make better bets. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I had some stories from my trip to Europe in there too, um, mm-hmm. just to, to mix it up. But what one thing that I realized while I was going through the process and what mm-hmm. Professor Szymanski touched on a lot in some of his books was how predictive salaries could be. Because mm. um, he did analysis on the English Premier League and how salaries are very, very predictive in terms of the overall or ending rankings of the 20 teams in the premier league. Mm -hmm. So ideally uh, moving forward, I'm going to try to start incorporating player salaries. And when I, I I thought about doing that initially, Mm -hmm. but it, 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 I found it a little difficult because I was needing to get player salary data in very bizarre countries that were not readily available. Mm. Um, And even in countries, I thought that it would be easy, like Poland or Hungary, for instance, it's not always super straightforward. Mm. So that's kind of how I 
came upon just using the FIFA ranking, but in the future, I'd like to incorporate player salary data. That's interesting. So we're talking about the law of probabilities. Is, is that, is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, much, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the tricky thing with this is, um, you know, we can say, you know, Brazil has a, you know, 85% chance of getting out of their group or, Iceland has a 20% chance of getting out of their group, Mm -hmm. but at the, and, and maybe, maybe those probabilities would be good over the long term. The the tricky thing is we only get a couple of goes at this. So, so if, even if we thought there was value in Iceland getting out, um, maybe we're projecting them to get out 25% of the time. Mm. And we would think that we should be paid at least three to one. And let's say the sports books are offering four to one. Well, well, that's a good bet for us. But at the end of the day, we're still only predicting that they'll get out 25% of the time. Mm. So it's, it's definitely an exercise in risk management and, yeah, yeah. and allocation. <laughs> exactly. Well, you, you have background training on that. Yeah. Obviously. Let me ask you, can that be applied uh, in the markets today? I wonder. Um, I mean, I, I've started trading options a little more. That's what I would consider to be the most similar to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't really worked a ton on like yeah. modeling it at all, but I, I, I definitely, I, I do like a lot of the option strategies. Yeah, yeah. So, so. It's, it's, it's conceivable that it could be used. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well that's great. <clears throat> Jack, I appreciate it. And, uh, Appreciate what you're doing and, and encouraging, especially as I indicated in the in the light of the market today. Many folks they want their own home, you know, and uh, a concept that you put together and 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 you that you are advocating uh, definitely fits into it. And how can my uh, listenership contact you for more information on this topic, Jack? Sure. So I am the only Jack Allwile on LinkedIn and pretty much any social media <laughs> platform. Last yeah. name's A-L-L-W-E-I-L. Um, I do have a blog called mm-hmm. Fired to Fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I discuss all things personal finance. I do a lot of book reviews and outlines. And mm-hmm. I just re- review all sorts of sites that I find geared towards personal finance. And I also like helping people setting up their own personal balance sheet. Cause I think a lot of people focus too much, I suppose on their more of their income statement there instead of their balance sheet. And I think the balance sheet is really the, the power player exactly. or the, the one that should be getting more focus. So yeah. I, I like discussing uh, that with people. And so that's yeah. yeah fired to fire. And my, my brother and I also started a podcast called the Brothers on Books podcast. So okay. you can okay. also find us there. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, congratulations. I, uh, and I, I believe, uh, yeah, I'm working the numbers many times we're driven by uh, a very strong emotional component, you know, when buying a home. Uh, no, you got to look at the numbers and see if it all fits and makes sense for you. I uh, admire what you're doing, Jack, and uh, I can tell uh, I haven't met you. I never met you until today, and uh, I can tell you're a nice guy. You're a very nice guy, and uh, <laughs> I thank you for your for being coming on your lot and parcel. And I and I wish you the best and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay? Yes, thank you very much, Ben. Hey, listeners, if you have a recommendation for a show, or you have a question or a comment, 
or just want to say hello, drop me a note at charlottamparcel.org. And now, if you would excuse me... This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtown. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com.